and you're listening to The Clobcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from the Asian American perspective. How's it going? No smooth Marvin voice this week because I was. What happened? I mean, it's really early. <laughs> this whole time difference that you got me on is really just messing me up. Hi, I'm your host Marvin Yue. Along with me, as always, is my co-host Christine Minji Chang. Although she's not here in the room with me today, she's in some I'm other room. Yonder in Texas land. That's not how you say that. Oh, I see it. Minji is in Austin for the South by Southwest Music Festival, although you're also there for the tail end of the film festival as well, right? Yes, actually, the film and music overlap quite a bit, so I'll be going to both events. Awesome. And and joining us this week in the room with me, now that since Minji left me for this week, is uh, our new friend, So Yun Um. Hey. Yes, So. <laughs> who was recently introduced to Minji at a on a video shoot, right? Yep, for Naomi Gets Intimate. When is that coming out, by the way? I don't know. So Still probably not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it's been like in production forever. But so glad to have So here. Uh, so is a vlogger, writer, and uh, producer, as well as a programmer for the LAPF, the LA Pacific Film Festival. <laughs> Smooth. Um, yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming in this early before. All you know. good. I'm pretty much a uh, morning person, so this is like just the right time for me. Awesome. That is not my, the case for me at all. Although <laughs> oh, I'm I trying. could go on about that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just get straight into it. Every week we start off the show by having a roundtable discussion where we talk about what's on our minds in the world of pop culture and Asian American stuff. So uh, let's just start with Minji, the most exciting story of Is it? the week. I think so. You're in Austin. How's that going? Have you eaten barbecue yet? Have you seen any movies? Have you seen any acts? Um, I did eat barbecue last night at Friedman's, which is apparently third in the state of Texas in ranking for barbecue, which was really great. Um, and I haven't watched any films yet. I actually went to go watch My Blind Brother. Let me. I can double check the title of that, but it's with Jenny Slate, who I love, and uh, yeah, my blind brother. It's Adam Scott, Nick Kroll, Jenny Slate, and it was so popular that I was in line and I didn't make it, sadly. (laughs) Yeah, but um, no, it's been really great. South by Southwest is a total, really fun circus. It's just film, interactive, and music, and now we've moved into the uh, film and music portion of the festivities so it's just a lot of conference stuff parties and general madness in the downtown austin area yeah so how's that been going because you know you're not that big a drinker but you're a partier so i party because i like music and i like to dance and whatnot i love socializing but yeah it's really it's always a test of my 
Koreanness, <laughs> my young personness. I, I've been doing okay, and I people are generally very nice when I say I, and they make fun of me when I'm like, okay, I'm only good with one drink. So it's been it's that's, been good. That's better than me with no drink, and I still really have to like go out and act like I'm having like the best time with a bunch of drunk people. Isn't it? It's a really different lifestyle, right? So I'm glad I, that I think I'm so used to it that I don't mind now. Um, I just. I do it so often. I'm always DD. Right. Nice. Yeah, um, but I heard I heard uh, South by is just madness. It is. It is. Um, and I'm so glad that you exist because now I have like a sister that I can <laughs> connect with. Um, it's really not that bad. And, and for me, uh, it's, I'm just running into people left and right, so it's really cool. I ran into Samantha Futterman um, and her her boyfriend Ryan, who's a great cinematographer. They I met them. Up last year when they were screening Twinsters here at the festival. And then I've run into Bobby Choi, a.k.a. Big Phony. Yeah. He's a good friend of... Are you going to his show on Thursday? He's, I think that's when he's showcasing, right? I am indeed. <laughs> oh, my God. I turned Texas. Yeah, but it's been... I ran into Run River North sure that's the other day. Or not. <laughs> I'm not. I apologize. You just offended all of our or... Texan listeners, all like three of them, who are all our all, friends. Anyways. All Southern <laughs> Jeff's like, what the yeah, hell? It's a, you are marginalizing me. Jeff's here too, actually. Jeff, Jeff got here last night. Our uh, former collaboration, Houston ED, and our DJ Kid Styles, Jeff Chen. Um, he's here. He got into town last night, so we got some music shows to head out to see and dance and groove to this week. Nice. Fun. So yeah. the party continues, huh? I just- it is a party, but it's also okay. Not to, I'm really not trying to over dramatize it, but it can be the socializing aspect can be pretty exhausting. <laughs> I'm not complaining, I'm just I letting, to- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I went to Austin um, a couple years ago, but that was not even South by Southwest. Even then, like Sixth Street was crazy, so I can't even imagine how crowded it is right now, yeah. Um, but you know, one thing I noticed when I was in Austin is they have some pretty darn good seafood. Uh, there's like this place on, if you cross the, there's a bridge somewhere and they Congress. have some like great uh, like oysters and sushi. I went to Uchi, which is um, the former restaurant of um, past top chef Paul Key. And that place was awesome as well. Nice. It's, it's a, yeah. It's a very cool town. Have you been to their it's, flagship Whole Foods yet? I have not. It's the biggest Whole Foods in the world. Wow. What? Yeah. So it's then just, it's going to cost me like an arm and a leg to buy anything. Oh, for the cucumber water? Yeah. Or the asparagus yeah. water? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it's because um, Austin's their HQ. So they have like, you know, their, their big store. It's awesome. I keep forgetting that. For some reason, the key thing is very Californian. But <laughs> yeah. I know it is not. Yeah. Cool. Well, keep Snapchatting and Instagramming because we're enjoying the FOMO you're inducing in us. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be able to go next year. That's my goal. I really want, honestly, that if that's anything that is beneficial from all of my snapping or whatever, I really, really encourage anybody to go check out South by Southwest at any, you know, whenever they have the chance. It's a lot of fun and you don't need to buy a badge. Same thing for like Sundance. You don't need to have a badge to attend all the out- ongoing festivities. It really is just kind of like a free-for-all event for the entire community, whoever shows up. So it's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Going up that, we can move on to my topic, which was my um, excursion this past weekend to CamFest, which is the San Francisco um, Asian Film Festival run by Cam Media. 
I went up for the opening night, saw um, half of Tyrus because I spent half of the movie trying to find parking in the Castro, <laughs> and oh. then um, went to the gala where, yeah, like you said, it was just meeting a bunch of people, catching up with old friends. Richie yeah. was DJing, throwing back the jams. Attractivist. And um, yeah, it was a lot of fun, but I ended up really not watching any movies because um, A, I didn't buy tickets ahead of time, so that was dumb of me, and B, so this year... Campus took place mostly in the mission, and parking in the mission on a Saturday is an ordeal. I didn't know there was even parking in San Francisco. No, there isn't. No, <laughs> you have to like drive around and. This get is lucky. why you Uber or Lyft, Marvin Yue. <laughs> well, I was staying out in Alameda this time, so. Oh, really you live in Alameda. I thought you were in San Francisco. Really My bad. Wasn't an option. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I ended up finding parking like ten blocks away on the Guerrero. Wow. Yeah, so still- then you plan to pl- park really far and then lift from there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just money, you know, just dollar signs adding up. But I know. No, it was really cool. Um, there was, I, I was also hanging out with uh, Big Phony, Bobby Choi as well, um, before he headed to South By. And also spent a lot of time with um, Go Nakamura, just hanging out. I ran to him just randomly a bunch around the city. Like I went to um, Craftsman and Wolves, which we talked about last time, had the um, the awesome muffin with the runny egg and baked inside. Well, and then, oh, that's uh, what you sent me. <laughs> and then I ran to uh, go Nakamura there. And we just hung out for, for the rest of the night. But Very cool. Great event by Club San Francisco. Their Campfest Social Club, which is um, kind of like their happy hour on Saturday, Saturday night. They sold the place out. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So congrats Get it, to Daisuke SF. and the crew. Um, but... Nice. They always uh, seem a lot bigger than because uh, I know LA Pacific Film Fest, and then there's Cam, mm-hmm. and it seems a lot bigger. I know they had uh, Alan Yang and Aziz Ansari come out for a little panel. Yeah, actually, oh, I did go to that panel. Oh my god, um, did you? Aziz Ansari didn't show up, so that's what <laughs> I thought. I saw pictures. Yeah, okay. that's the, that's the thing. So um, it's a cardboard cutout. On all the copy, <laughs> they say it's just. Uh, Alan Yang and Kelvin Yu. Oh. But they kept using the picture of Alan Yang as he's It's all sorry. good as long as uh, <laughs> they showed up. Was it a good panel? It was a really good panel, actually. That's actually, thanks for reminding me. Oh, for some reason, I almost totally <laughs> forgot about that. Come on. I was waiting to grill you, Marv. That was going to be my call. I was like, did you meet Alan Yang? I did meet Alan Yang and Kelvin. <laughs> they actually showed up to the social club as well after, nice. after the They're really dinner. nice. Yeah, they're Damn. super nice. And they gave some really, really good answers. I yeah. mean, there's just so. Like you can tell that like they're writers, yeah, because their answers are just so well thought out mm-hmm. and eloquent. Um, not like these words that are coming out of my mouth at this moment, <laughs> but um, we have much to aspire to. <laughs> <laughs> trying to remember, one of the things that really stuck out was Calvin Yu, because Calvin Yu also writes for Bob's Burgers. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, so, so. good. <laughs> they're so good. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was talking about because they got asked about their reactions to the Chris Rock joke. Right, oh. From the Oscars and the Yikes. little kids. So his answer was not really angry. He was more disappointed because mm. he expected more out of someone like Chris Rock. Yeah. Right? As a comedy writer, like if you're going to make fun of us, if you're going to do an Asian joke, like make it good at least. I always think right? you are not a good comedian if you have to, uh, if you try to make a joke in the exp- on the expense of other people. It just doesn't work. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> well, I've heard a lot of funny jokes at the expense of other people, but it's in it's to me it's just done in a more intelligent way. It's True. just the my main thing, so I don't know if you heard that episode, but I was just ranting. It's just such an old joke. 
That's like, yeah, it's just, it's so played out. I can't, I can't even. Yeah. And I think that was where, where he was coming from too. As a comedy writer, as, as a guy who writes jokes, like he expects Chris Rock being like one of the best joke yeah. writers in the field to come up with stuff You just wouldn't like expect him to like resort to that. Yeah. It's such an old school and yeah. kind of amateur mentality. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Amateur. And it's. Such a noob. <laughs> it was interesting because I can tell the question asker wanted to hear them get angry. Oh yeah, but I you know, like that. but <laughs> they're also part of Hollywood, so they have to play the game. Yeah. So honestly, though, like I had a very there was a varied reaction when that happened too because I was just kind of bl- I was stunned but not surprised. In, initially, when I saw that joke, I wasn't that angry. Yeah. I was just kind of rolled my eyes. I wasn't upset. But then it, I don't know. That's what I, I'm actually I've been pondering about that for the last few weeks. Um, what, if there's an appropriate response and if there's something that we're being prompted to be, I don't know there's a, like people have their different reactions and I don't know how appropriate it is to expect X, Y, Z out of somebody saying, oh, you should be mad about this. Well, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it seemed like such a simple joke, but it, I think it touched a lot of people and even now it's gotten to a point where Ang Lee and a lot of industry Asian Americans are getting involved and uh, petitioning Yeah, um, and they've quote unquote apologized but <laughs> not really um, and so it's a PR apology as long as it's a start <laughs> aloha and more awareness I mean at least it's something rather yeah. than just pretending it didn't doesn't matter yeah. right and I think that's that's the biggest issue is from that joke it, was, it felt like it wasn't even the thought that this would matter to people, mm-hmm. and that's kind of, that kind of sucked. I think a lot of it's because they think that Asians are really passive and they're we're constantly sidelined, but yeah. we just need to be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a really good panel. Um, trying to think of what else they talked about. They talked about a lot of really great things. I just can't remember. <laughs> Sorry, you just had way too much fun. Way too much fun, and um, he did do a lot. I mean, that's what Mar- Marvin's very when he goes to these events and like like myself as well but we uh go a lot of places and see a lot of people so then to recall everything you're like (laughs) wait a second (laughs) but yeah it was really cool um he talked about he talked a little bit about um parks and rec nice how something really interesting is that master of none was originally a much broader comedy Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until like they were gonna do it the year that they got picked up for that last season season seven and having that time in season seven to really work through the show um, turned into a more personal piece. The more personal. Um, I think that was a good approach. Yeah. <laughs> Episode two really hit me hard. Yeah. 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 That was, a, that was everyone's favorite. Favorite. Because episode one is kind of like a very it's a solid millennial pilot. Yeah. pilot like, here's a problems when you're in your 30s yeah. episode, right? And then. And then number two became such a personal immigrant story that mm-hmm. we didn't know we needed until we saw it. Yeah, and so for that was sure. really cool. <laughs> um, That's cool. But speaking of Asians getting more out there, LAPF is coming up soon. <laughs> the LA Asian <laughs> Pacific Film Festival, LAP, L-A-A-P-F-F. Do you guys have a like an acronym you guys say, or is it just? I just say LA Asian. Uh... That's probably a little bit more. Yeah. I'm one of the programmers there for the feature films, and I'm really excited for this upcoming up uh, lineup. There's a lot of good ones. Especially, I love documentaries, mm-hmm. and so I always can count on them to be like super good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's so coming up next month. 
end of next so month. Fast. That's coming up fast. Yeah. yeah. I know um, we're, we're, prob- we're probably helping out in some capacity. We st- we're a community know. partner, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that was always a lot. That was actually my first LA Asian lap of was uh, <laughs> about five years Marvin's ago. Marvin's trying to make it a thing, but it's not going to happen. It doesn't roll off like lap of. <laughs> lap of <laughs> is going to be a thing. People are going to start saying it, and you can't stop me. Um, but my first um, time going to that was five, actually five years ago because I remember um, I went, it was the year that they premiered Fast Five. Wow. Was the opening night movie. Uh, so they had Justin Lin and Sun Kang, everyone. And then um, the, I think the Saturday night party was the Angry Asian Man 10th anniversary. Wow. So, now the, the yeah. <laughs> 15th anniversary is That's here. That's this year, yeah. And we're having the opening party in conjunction with him. Yeah. That's, so. I think April 2nd, so... Yeah, that was a long time ago. Get your tickets. <laughs> I guess, how's um how's everything going with that? It's going well. I think we finally finished, like, wrapping up. Uh, we're probably going to announce in the next, like, couple weeks, I'm hoping. Yeah, it was a lot. It was. <laughs> we got more submissions this year than... I think we tripled our submissions, which was insane. That's... Awesome. Um, I love hearing that. I, yeah, same here. Like as much as like, there's a ton of work to do and things to see, um, I'm glad that people are making more things. Um, I heard that Justin Lin is bringing back Interpretations, uh, which is a contest he has with, I think, NBC Universal and Comcast. Yeah, that's a short film thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think I said, I saw the headlines. People were sharing that. Everywhere. Yeah, and I'm really excited awesome. for that. Yeah. Uh, Considering that it's only four lines and you can make any short film with those uh, okay. lines. So it's like a prompt. And mm-hmm. That's awesome. I think I might really? enter. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. Just as a really, you know, as an exercise, <laughs> I feel like it would be really good. Please do so. I actually yeah. just got asked by a friend to enter that you as should, well. We should all do it because the more there are of us, it, it doesn't even matter. I always say it doesn't matter if your film is good or bad as long as you did it. Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, could, I don't know. Mine's, mine's has to be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll always be aiming for the best and yeah. we can not. But I think you're totally right, though, because what I – the main thing that I learned in all of the short films or random things that I have done in the last few years is that everything was always better in my head. Yeah. And you can have a really great idea. And the thing is, it doesn't really come to life or take its own form or get better until you actually do it. Yeah. So even just in the doing, you get to improve. And if it makes it into the running, that's great. But if it doesn't, at least you can know incrementally you probably moved yourself forward a yeah, little bit. Yeah, for sure. That's totally true, though. I guess I'm... Um, you no, know, staying on the topic of film festivals. That's why I, I enjoy going to the shorts collections because yeah, it's always so good. Yeah, because and it gives you a chance to see many different perspectives and styles and you know and stories. I always They're- end up seeing something that I have never seen before, done mm-hmm. a way I've never seen before, and I'm, it's always like, man, they should make that into a real movie. Yeah, or not real movie. They're all real movies. Yeah, <laughs> make it to a, a full a feature. Movie. <laughs> I'm always like amazed because I'm like, I where where have you guys been? Yeah. Like all this time, I'm always looking for like new filmmakers, new talent, just to see like more stuff out there. Yeah, I really like the um, the genre like themed ones as well, yeah. like the horror ones or the sci-fi ones, because you know the way people use new technology mm-hmm. or even 
like tropes and things. Like there's um, there's a really great um, short series that I went to um, that um, our friend Austin um, put together, which was just a collection of um, thriller slash horror slash sci-fi um, short films. And one of them was just, it was four people sitting around a dark table reading a script. Wow. But it was just like, just from that one, like it was one scene, mm-hmm. and there's just so much tension. I forgot what it was that's, called. That's but, when you know yeah. you're a good writer. <laughs> yep. Amen. Yeah. So everyone listening, you should go to your local film festivals and also come out to LA Asian yeah. or Lapith. I'm not calling it that, the LA Asian American <laughs> Film Festival. <laughs> uh, it's happening in late April, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to be a lot of fun a lot of great yeah. movies um, can't wait for the announcements I know you guys are keeping hush hush so yeah. we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna break any news here <laughs> but you guys should check it out it's always a lot of fun and you get to see a lot of cool people mm-hmm. can meet even myself or Minji and me the coolest and so yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah so by the way I need a praise because so, no one can see you which is, an, which is a shame because your hair is one of the most beautiful things I've oh, ever seen thank you <laughs> I think that was like the first thing I said to you. I was like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Minji. Oh my God, I love your hair. I think that was... I don't think you saw me with my orange hair. I didn't. But that was my most like iconic. Like every time I think of myself, I think of myself with the orange hair and then I'm like, oh my God, now it's like black and purple. But that's still really (laughs) cool. Oh yeah. No, the purple is so... Oh, it's just so gorgeous. I love it. Thank you. That's how you guys will be able to find her. Now everyone's going to be like, that's her. (laughs) All right, well, that's our roundtable discussion. Uh, Let's take a quick break before talking more about films and stuff. Hey, everybody. This podcast is brought to you by Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment, discovering, elevating, showcasing, and connecting the artistic and creative energies of our communities. Um, we thank you for listening to our podcast. Hope you've been enjoying yourself so far. Um, just want to give you a quick heads up on a couple upcoming events in the Collaboration Network. Uh, for those of you in Chicago who would like to participate in this year's Collaboration Chicago Showcase, um, auditions are being held on March 19th at the AC Hotel. Um, if you're a singer, songwriter, uh, rapper, poet, performer who'd like to try out for an opportunity to um, play on the Collaboration Chicago stage, check out their Facebook page for more information. That's uh, facebook.com um, and just search Collaboration Chicago. And for those of you in Los Angeles, um, we're having our first event of the year, Thursday, March 23rd, at the Craft Beer Cellar in Eagle Rock, California. It's going to be our first open mic of the year, and right now we're taking submissions for acts. So if you'd like to play a quick five to eight minute set with us, please check out their Facebook page as well on Collaboration LA for more information on how to apply. As always, we're still looking for... Uh, people to work with uh, this coming year if you'd like to join the collaboration movement and you're in one of our 14 member cities check out the volunteer staff application at collaboration.org under the get involved section uh, for more information how to apply on a related note we're also looking for writers for our collaboration blog Um, if you've noticed we've been putting out a lot more content recently and we're always looking for more voices to add to our team so if you'd like to write about Asian American artists, 
um, projects, media, or culture in general, shoot us an application. You can find an application form at collaboration.org under the Get Involved section. And as always, if you have any questions for the podcast, um, you can always write into us at podcast at collaboration.org. One last thing before we go, we have we have some awesome content going up on collaboration.org this week. On Monday, we released our first footage from last year's Collaboration Star. We um, put out the epic medley that was put together by AJ Raphael featuring AC Lorenzo from Kai, uh, Amory from One Voice, uh, Travis Atreo, MC Jin, Can Be Told, and a plethora of other amazing artists collaborating for a truly epic, epic medley. And check it out on our YouTube page as well as collaboration.org. Um, we also have a couple of great articles coming out including an interview with Jenna Ushkowitz about her new podcast, Infinite Positivities. So check out um, all our content on collaboration.org, including this podcast and past episodes. And that'll do it for this uh, edition of the Collaboration Update Break. Let's get you back to the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Collabcast. I'm your host, Marvin Yoy, along with um, so young um, in the room with me and Hello. all the way in Austin, Texas, Christine and G. Chang joining via the internet. <laughs> how are you guys doing? How was, how's the break? Are you guys feeling rejuvenated? Yeah, totally pumped. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was a good break. We did a lot of break things and now we're back and I've, Figured since we've been talking about film festivals all episode, let's just keep the train going and talk a little, little bit about the way that entertainment and Hollywood and film has, I guess, evolved even in the last year or so. And that's something Minji and I say a lot or said a lot was that 2015 was a very breakthrough year, right? We got Asian faces on TV. Mm-hmm. We got angry about whitewashing more than usual. And, yeah. you know, it seems like people are starting to listen, at least, or at least acknowledge. Is that something that you've been seeing out in Austin a little bit? I haven't seen. So I've only been, I've been perusing the categories and looking through. I guess my commentary is a little bit more about film festivals in a broader scale, less specifically about Asian Americans. The broader feedback I can say is I haven't seen a tremendous number of Asian American attendees. So for example, I got here on Sunday the 13th and the Austin Convention Center is basically the main hub of registration and getting all of the, what do you call it, the panels and whatnot take place there. So again, I'm just observing and there's there's not a tremendous amount there. I mean, there's definitely friends of ours here. We're still a very small number of people in attendance. And so I don't know to what portion they're attending, whether it's the tech portion, which is the uh, interactive or the film. Um, but these films come in from all over the, the world, actually, into Sundance. So you see next to the, the name of the the title of the feature film or the documentary, et cetera. You know, it says USA or Greece or Spain or Poland or whatever. And yeah, I mean, there's there's a number from Asia directly and then the USA films, which are the vast majority of the films screened at Sundance. I... I would say there's a good amount of diversity in general within the cast, just just by looking at names. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I, I don't know to what degree I can speak on it because I haven't watched a vast majority of these films. 
But you're saying that the attendees are pretty much pretty homogenous for the most part. Kind of. I mean, it's. I've only been. This is look. This is my only. This is only my second year um, that I've come, and it's a really, really distinct crowd in comparison to the film portion versus the music. Because the music portion started last night, mm-hmm. and it was ratchet as hell. Well, <laughs> actually, that's the wrong word. It's just really like suddenly there's because Austin has a lot of Asian people that live here, Asian American, Asian. Uh, international students and whatnot. Well, it's a college Sudden- town, so everyone's going to UT. Right, right. So, I mean, the streets were flooded with really different people, a lot more younger crowd, um, certainly a lot more people of color, mm-hmm. you know, out there to enjoy the concerts. So it varies. I'm really fascinated to see how much the culture changes day by day, but based on the, excuse me, based on the, the events, the type of events. The, if it's film or music, because a lot of the happy hours and stuff are for more industry people, and it's a little bit different. Yeah. Well, it's also films are still like you have to set aside, you know, a certain amount of time to go watch a movie, and you have to focus on watching that movie. Whereas music is something you can enjoy with friends while doing other things, and um, it's much more of an event as as opposed to a um, an assignment, right? For sure, and I don't um, see I don't see South by as much uh, like a diverse festival, considering that a lot of their films are not like I don't know any film there this year that is by an Asian American. Uh, besides, like I know an Asian one, and the <laughs> film's called Karaoke Killer, which sounds really really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And other than that, I honestly. And yeah. last year there was K Town Cowboys and there was Twinsters. Yeah. Both of those were screened here. Um, I don't. I'm wondering if Andrew had submitted to Sundance. I'm not. Of course, he was in Sundance um, for South by, or if there are rules and restrictions around that. So I just. I don't think it would. Uh, yeah, I think it would fit. I think South by has always been more of a. I mean, eclectic kind yeah. of type. And I think for Andrew, if he's thinking about the end goal of like con or something, I think it would be in conflict. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he already got picked up. And so <laughs> I don't think South by would. That's always interesting too, just the timing of everything. Mm-hmm. And this is the second year that um, Campfest um, didn't get to screen the big Asian American movie yeah. coming out of Sundance because of contract negotiations and distribution deals and things like that. Like last year, Advantageous was the big thing coming out of Sundance mm-hmm. and, and Campus would, wasn't able to screen it because they came right afterwards. All right. right. And then also with Twinsters, like Twinsters was screening at South by and Campus was the week before as oh. well. And yeah. That's why you have Lapuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of it's a bummer that, you know, like traditional, it's, it's a bummer and also awesome, right? Because on one hand, the reason why these films, which normally would be the anchors of an Asian American film festival, aren't able to show, but it's also awesome that the reason is because they're getting the potential for more yeah. wide um, distribution appeal and, right. you know, the ability to, given the opportunity to maybe break through. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's kind of um, the big thing about what we do in collaboration and what you guys do at um, Fisher Communications and what Cam does is, you know, if we're doing our jobs well and we're raising up the collective talents of our community and people making better movies that are being noticed by, you know, the business or the suits or mm-hmm. the people who are in charge of deciding what 
the mainstream audience gets to see. At, at one point, that means us succeeding is also us creating less opportunities for our, for our yeah. own programs, right? I think it's just the more we create, the more we get out there. I don't even think it's not up to them. I think we have to convince them that uh, we need this. And we, like, I'm, I'm really happy that some things didn't get to premiere at CAM because then they'll allow for other uh, films to be able to be shown, which otherwise would not be shown anywhere else, right. which is so sad. <laughs> and I think that's the hardest part in making a film. It's like, after you're done, you have to, like, how do you get people to watch it? Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, that's that's my bigger. So that's kind of what I was speaking about earlier with my not specifically about Asian films. I think obviously what you're talking about in the rules and restrictions of where they can be screened is a perfect example of the bigger thing that I'm talking about. The main thing that I'm learning through all of this is, I guess, just more of the business side of movies and film and TV in general, because one of the main panels that I did get to attend yesterday, which was really fascinating, was debunking the myth of digital distribution. Mm. And so that was talking – I learned a lot, a lot of terminology that's used within the industry for companies that do spend and buy and negotiate deals with different platforms. So say for Hulu or Netflix and what – and all that stuff really fascinates me because it's not – Um, As much as I love thinking about filmmaking as just this art form, and it is absolutely, I take that part very seriously. It's part of a, it's part of a industry, right? And it's beneficial to me and to anybody who's serious about filmmaking and even those who aren't just to learn the ins and outs of that, right? And to understand how that works because I was very, I wasn't very aware, even with the festival circuit, how that works and how many festivals there are and what types of, right? (laughs) There's so many. Like, so you probably know way more than I do, you know? And so like, uh, and like how they, how uh, getting into this festival over this one, what are your odds? Like getting into Sundance is kind of the top, right? Or when I think about that, I always think I have friends who went to Sundance and they did really well, but I also know other people who went to Sundance. And I feel like Sundance doesn't necessarily mean that you like made it. It doesn't mean right. that your, your film's even going to survive the rest of the year because there are like a trillion other festivals that you put, could potentially uh, premiere at. But right. it's honestly, you just have to have a smart plan about how it is, how you're going to distribute it. Even if you do it, like Shane Carruth, he uh, did Primer and Upstream Color. He did, he like made that movie himself, everything himself, and then he distributed it himself because uh, mm-hmm. he didn't want to do you know mess with all the business part and like. And I think that's very, that's such a very important skill to learn nowadays right. because you have to do it by yourself. And it's something that's possible now too. Yeah, like it used to not be possible because the the business people, the suits, they mm-hmm. own the production equipment, they own the studios, they own the theaters, yeah. the screens. And nowadays, all that stuff is online, in the cloud. Like, But then um, even then, it's like it's fascinating because when you have a different platform, the, the things that are happening now are really, really novel and, real, and they may honestly never happen again. There's all these... It's just... 
again, just from this one hour, I was like, damn, this is a lot of stuff to, to understand and take in because the licensing around getting rights to something. So say that so makes this brilliant movie and she wants to sell it to XYZ company. They can choose like there's so many options now you can choose to license it and screen it on your platform for a month like have 30, 30 day exclusive, whatever. And she'll Mm -hmm. get X amount of dollars for that versus they're going to buy it outright, put it anywhere that they please. And you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's that, that stuff is really, really fascinating to me and stuff that I really didn't care about before. Cause I was like, (laughs) I want to focus on the art. Yeah. But I think it's really beneficial for any filmmaker to understand what are your options. And then, uh, cause I don't want people to get swindled either. You, you should be smart about it. Like, so was saying, you know, you want to give longevity to your film. You Mm -hmm. want, the right platform because like if you made a serious drama maybe it belongs in this platform or this uh film festival versus that one definitely and you don't know that um since we're on this topic i i want to talk about how like asian american filmmakers that are coming out Mm -hmm. and i think we should all uh like aspire and like motivate more people um i know andrew on spa night coming out this year and so young kim's love song Mm-hmm. which I'm really excited for. Um, there's so many people, and I feel like this is like our time to really step it up and cross over. Yeah, I mean, there's more and more people are getting to the point where they're putting out... Like, we have enough... We have a lot more filmmakers out there making features and shorts um, that... You know enough to sustain like you know a bunch of film festivals mm-hmm. and at a high higher level of quality. And then for a long time, you know, watching Asian American film and this is something we talked about with um, with some previous guests too. Um, for the longest time, watching Asian American films came with caveats and a lot of buts, yeah. <laughs> right? When we're talking about Asian American film, and I think these days there's been a lot more. Even recently, the past couple of years. Um, there's been a lot more films where we can just wholeheartedly say you're gonna you're gonna love it mm-hmm. to anybody, not even Asian Americans. So like you should watch this because it's good. Yeah. Um, also because it has a diverse cast, and you'll be surprised <laughs> that you know. Oh, we speaking can of be diverse more. cast, oh my god, Karen Kusama, one of my favorite filmmakers, uh, Asian American mm-hmm. female filmmaker. She's coming out with the invitation next month. Uh, I think on the eighth. It's like one of the best movies of this year, oh, yeah. and it has the most diverse cast ever, which is really great and um, surprising for like a Hollywood dinner movie kind of theme. <laughs> uh, it's really good. I recommend it. So I want to check it out. Nice. Is it um, coming out for? It's coming. Out, it's being released by Draft House. Okay. Uh, it's so they they know what they're doing. That's like one company that knows what they're doing and knows their distribution and their audience so well. And uh, I'm really glad that they picked Karen's film up. Nice, yeah. So we're people, we're really yeah. getting there. I, I feel <laughs> people are learning more, well, becoming more sophisticated in knowing where their films can go to. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the other thing is Hollywood is a place where. It's real easy to get taken advantage of. Yeah. Like there's a lot of producers out there or people in suits, but not really suits, mm-hmm. that you know can convince you of a million things they can do for you. But yeah, you just gotta be smart about it. There yeah. are people who are dedicated <laughs> in like showing your work, and they don't even care about who you are as long as your work is like good, yeah. right? And that's what I think. It goes back to that thing we were saying earlier. So it's just. Um, 
there's so much value in the doing of it. Yeah. And and it's been really exciting for us to see a lot of great people develop over time. And there's no, <laughs> I feel like now there's no excuses. Uh, I don't, like I, as much as I want to be like, oh, we, I really need money to shoot, um, to p- actually pay people because I want them to really, right. like, yeah. Be professionals. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but if you're not even in that situation, just do everything yourself like I'm doing. <laughs> um, and even if it's like crappy, as long as you're you're doing it uh, yeah. and like slowly getting to a place where you can get funding, um, I think that's the main goal because what you could just you could shoot with on your phone. I shoot on my phone all the time, just like random things. <laughs> um, you have like no excuse nowadays to not be shooting if you really want to. Yeah, right. the tools are so so easily acquirable yeah. now um, that yeah, there isn't. Like if you want to make a movie, the, the, your camera can shoot at HD mm-hmm. now. You know. Yeah, my right. friend uh, Sean Baker made Tangerine on his iPhone five five S, and that went to Sundance. That got picked. That got produced by the Duplass brothers. It went to Magnolia. It went everywhere, and it just exploded last year. That was like the number one film <laughs> on everyone's list. And so, yeah. honestly, we're at a very exciting point where yeah. you just like... I mean, you can edit on your phone now, too. I mean, you make oh, I know. You know, home it's videos. crazy. Using <laughs> very <laughs> exciting. family trailers. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I need to make more of. Those yeah. really make me happy. <laughs> Even if they're just for your personal yeah. use, guys. iMovie and all that, it's so much fun. I'm sure Samsung has its own version as well. Yeah. Or droids. <laughs> Which I've left that world. But. Yeah. I mean, so how often you put up your own videos like pretty frequently on YouTube? Well, right? um, I wrote my film blog, so it's real thoughts. I've been doing for like, oh my god, I think seven years, but I've been getting more serious in it in the last three. I've been trying to be more pre- like proactive in shelling out film reviews uh, on YouTube, but I'm trying to gear towards actually like the amount of things I watch. I should be making that much, so. <laughs> The reason why I'm not putting out much as much is because trying to also gear towards actually filmmaking. Because um, as much as I'm like a film critic and film programmer, I'll never get to direct my first movie if I don't continue to work on that path. Right. Right. So it's just like a balance of both, um, really trying to sustain that. And I'm yeah. really like vocal on social media in general. So <laughs> I think my subscribers won't be that pissed if I don't put up a, a video. Right. Because they just want to consume your thoughts. Yeah. It's like they'll know what she thinks in one way or another. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And I, I think that I that's a lot I give a lot of respect to that because it, it can be really hard when you have interest in any medium or any topic in general to be too broad. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely faced that and I still struggle with the the focus part. How how do you hunker down and get even if it's like, say, okay, I'm going to set aside six months or a year just to be really focused on creating my next film or getting a screenplay or what. It's a really time-consuming yeah. job and um, creative medium. You know what I mean? You can't just – well, unless you're Syl- Sylvester Stallone and you can write Rocky in three days. Wow. But um, still, you had to make it, and I'm sure that took a long time. The whole process can be really, really – it's, it's a really big commitment, right? Yeah. Which I think is also what can be so daunting about it. It's like a full-time job. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then on top, it's like your soul. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it takes a certain kind of crazy to want to do this in the first place, like pursue arts and you know, put yourself out there for 
the general public consume. Us too with this podcast, you know, like when we first put it out, we didn't know how people would react to it. Just for the record, I mean, this is something poor Marvin has to deal with. Um, but I still criticize myself every episode. There's I, I listen to it and there's always things I want to adjust. And it's an ongoing process because it is it is creativity. It is your honest opinion at that time. And it's funny. I don't know. I just I, I don't know if I will ever stop doing that or if I want to stop doing that. I don't ever want to be so self-critical that I can't function. But I also like the idea of progressing and refining and making things better. Mm-hmm. Like I want this podcast to be something very valuable to others. And it's not going to be if I'm not clear in what I say or the way that I approach an, a guest or X, Y, Z. So many different things I criticize myself about. But um, <laughs> I think that's a good just general attitude to have. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, um, I know a lot of coders who and also filmmakers and producer media who the reason why they need to watch things or show things to others is because all they see are the flaws. Yeah. But it's like us when we were when we're doing our shows, live shows, where all we see is oh that cue got missed or this sounds kind of bad here or oh that didn't work and it takes other people saying oh that was a really good show for us to say oh maybe it was not so bad. At the end of the day, <laughs> no matter what you say, I always have to think nobody actually cares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reminder to <Exactly>. self. <laughs> and I mean, it's better than the alternative of being someone who thinks everything they do is awesome. Um, I think, you know what? I'm <laughs> really trying to utilize um, having the confidence of a mediocre white man. <laughs> but I think you I, have the shirt. I think my confidence is a little bit above mm. <laughs> That's good. that person so, at the moment right now. Considering awesome. that there's, if you're not your number one fan, who is? Yeah. And I think if you, be- like, honestly, like, you don't want to be, like, super cheesy, but <laughs> if you believe it, it, it's, like, possible. And, like, that's why sometimes I'm, like, yes, Kanye, I, like, totally get you. <laughs> in the- I think that's in general, yeah, people do struggle with that as much. as like, did he really say that? But they're kind of, like, damn, I wish I could do yeah, totally. that, too. Like, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm, like, God. Because I don't know if you like <laughs> tiny bit of a hyperbole. I don't know. Sometimes, whatever. When I'm, there's good lighting, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, so so are you like? Are you? Have you kind of? Do you feel like you've surpassed a a, a certain point of hypercriticalness with Be- yourself? Do you feel a lot more at ease with? I guess the quality and caliber of your work, you just kind of trust yourself a little bit more now? Well, the thing is, I because I am so self-critical, um, yeah. like everybody else, and that could always weigh you so down and inhibit you from actually doing the thing that you want to do. So instead, I kind of don't think about it and do it without, mm, without regrets. Whether or right. not I fail, whether or not it's sh- complete shit, at least the thing I did... Like, I accomplished it. And right. then um, I don't, like, whenever I do a podcast or something, I don't actually go and, like, listen to everything because <laughs> it's, you're in the moment uh, and everything you are saying is what you're, like, true to. Yeah. Um, and I don't yeah. ever feel Hopefully, like... Hopefully, yes. <laughs> you, can, you can, like, critically... Um, you can criticize yourself in a very, like critical way but not to the point where it's like detrimental to your like progression I Uh, completely agree and and that's hard that's I think that's the the really big challenge with 
life yeah. is finding a good balance where you feel you are not getting stagnant or not feeling like, oh, I'm just I'm great no matter what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I <don't, laughs> like I kind of want to earn that. I yeah. want to feel like, oh, I've done it enough or I've experienced enough that I can rightfully say I think that went pretty well. Oh, for sure. I think, you know, no matter what you do, it's like, even if like what you are like, oh man, I should have done that better. You just keep that in mind. Just like, okay, I'll do a little bit better this time. (laughs) And then, uh, yeah. And I mean, that's the benefits of feedback too. Having, you know, people give you feedback, like what they thought went well, what they thought could be better. If you surround yourself with people who can give that honest feedback, um, that's, that's half the battle, yeah. you know, that's, you know, understanding a, you know, understanding that you can always improve and b understanding that you need people to tell you where you can, where you should look. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, because there's so much, um, feedback out there. That's just, I think it's human nature to want to put things down, you know? Oh, I hate that. <laughs> I can't stand that. That's why I always tell people like my mom kind of negative, maybe all the time. <laughs> And I was like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So she like shuts up for like quite a while because <laughs> everything she's like, oh man, uh, was this? Uh, but it, it, uh. <laughs> one caveat to what what Marvin, what you just said though, I think it also is is good to be cognizant of who you are taking that feedback from. Because for me, I from my, um, I guess I don't know specifically for acting, but in general in life, I w- I was really consumed with by what too many people thought there are too many cooks in my critical kitchen if you will (laughs) and I'm just like it's like asking my there's there's a difference between asking a friend oh was that performance believable right um did you did you feel like I you know how how do you think that performance went but there's a difference between asking a friend who's just kind of like a normal non-actor non-artistically inclined consumer versus asking my acting classmate that I really respect their work and know that they're on point with what they do versus asking my teacher versus asking an agent. You know what I mean? There's, there's different tiers. And so I try to minimize how much I even ask for opinions anymore, where I used to ask all the time and be like, what'd you think about that? What'd you think about that? What'd you think about that? And now I'm like, I don't really care what you think. I'd love, you know, if you have something to share with me, cool, but I'm not going to take it to heart the way yeah. I used to. I think that's a really like, good point. Yeah, I'm like you don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not that hostile. You know, not being that hostile. But sometimes I'd be like, there are people who volunteered their their opinion, their very strong opinions, and I took it too much to heart. And then later I'm like, what do you even know yeah. about <laughs> anything about this? Well, I think I'm glad that, you're so passionate. But yeah, okay. I mean, I think that comes with also being more comfortable in your craft as well. Sometimes, okay, I want, like, we've been talking in, like, very broad terms, and I love this. This is, like, a really wonderful conversation, but it actually leads me to, it just makes me think of my dad as a specific example, because he's been my biggest um, hurdle, I guess, within myself, because I'm just, like, I don't want to let him down and all these different issues. Um, And I'm just also very defiant to him, because I I really look at my dad sometimes, like, you don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) You don't know anything about my career. You don't, you don't ask, you don't listen to me. You just have your viewpoint on it. And that's that. And so that dialogue has been going on for a really long time. And I think it's really, it takes a lot of effort. And that's why I say being selective to me, my dad's worth explaining to, I really do want him to eventually see how much 
um, acting and film and all that stuff means to me, what I believe that impacts can have on the, on greater society, et cetera. Um, and just for him to be proud of me, I re- that really does matter to me. So that's something that I decided a while ago that no matter how long it takes, as long as I can, I'm going to try to break through with him, but I have to be really strategic. I feel like I'm like CIA. I have to be really tactical. Like (laughs) we're not going to talk about it this time because he's in a bad mood. I'm Mm -hmm. not in a good place and we're just not going to talk about it. And then we're going to avoid it at Thanksgiving. We're not going to talk about it then because, you know, you have to figure out your moments. Yeah, (laughs) It's always trickier with family as well because, you know, I think – we're we're all built that we want our family support. Mm-hmm. You know, we feel like if anyone's going to give support is our family. And sometimes, you know, the life that we live where, you know, we decide to be creative and artistic mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, it's It's something that I feel like it's not unique to Asians, but it's very prominent, yeah. right? And we, the reason we talk about it this way is because we've talked to so many people who the topic comes up, like, how did you tell your parents? Or what did your parents think? Even in um, the Master of None mm-hmm. um, panel, that was one of the first questions from the audience. Like, how did your parents react when you told them you wanted to be a writer? Or You know, <laughs> I feel like parents think, like, when they're kids say that they're like oh god you don't know how much I struggled and how much how how far I've gotten for you but at the same time you have to think about in the kids perspective we're not pursuing this lightly we're doing this knowing your struggles and for us we are picking this because it's really do or die yeah and and so I feel like uh once you come to that understanding and you just like hopefully they'll be able to accept (laughs) yeah I think you make a good point because the general narrative arc of an immigrant story is, <laughs> right, the parents come, um, they leave everything they know, they struggle, you know, work odd jobs or work every day and, like, not don't have any fun mm-hmm. um, so that the kids can have a better opportunity. And then, um, but at the same time, they ex- there's, like, this mixed expectation of, like, well, you have all these opportunities, but we also want you to not have any fun and also work really hard. Well, I know. <laughs> so, I, it, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, though, because it sounded like it's just gathering from earlier conversation that it's something that you face with your mom. Um, and you don't totally don't have to elaborate on. It. I was just like, it, it sounded like because my dad's my my. I'm dad trying to phrase it. No, my my parents and I have a really weird relationship, only because. Um, we get along really well and they understand what I'm doing and um, I have a nine to five to just satisfy there. But they also know that I'm like working around the clock to maintain all my other stuff. Uh, yeah. And they don't actually know any specific things that I've been doing. And the only instance my dad was like on YouTube, he's like, hey, I saw you. How do I see you again? And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot. I didn't tell you anything about that because I don't really talk to them about my uh Work life. Yeah. Yeah, your creative life. Yeah, because it's like what I don't want to put that on to them because it's already as hard as it is and they're already dealing with so much shit that... Um, also, Dad, you're on YouTube? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank you for watching my stuff. But um, Speaking of that, how was your... How did So, Minji was just on a viral video for BuzzFeed. Oh, I know. I saw. Um, ways Asian moms say I love you. I love... I, I need to show that to my mom because that's exactly how my so, mom would say it. How did your mom react my mom loved it. It was really funny because um, Jenny actually right before I checked in with my mom, 
um, she had posted because she told me in our email, I'm like, I'm going to send this to my mom and see what she says. Ha ha ha. And then uh, she posted an Instagram video of her mom being kind of uh, a little bit peeved. Like, why did you <laughs> tell everyone my words? And it's adorable. I love Jenny's mom. It's really sweet. And Jenny's cracking up. But I was like, I sent it to my mom. I had sent her pictures the day before before the, the video was released. And she had it. She said, oh, it looks so funny when I sent her the photos. And I sent her the actual video and she wasn't responding. And so there's a oh small God. part of me that was like, oh, my God, is she mad that <laughs> yeah. she think that I was making fun of her? Because I really was trying to I really wanted to emulate her because I think she's adorable. She's going to start talking and, to you through your brother. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. And then, no, but then I called her. I, I, I've really I've have a really strong relationship with my mom. I just called her and I figured she was busy, but I'd seen that she had seen the link and then uh she answered and she's like oh i'm sorry i haven't answered you i'm i've been sending your link to all my friends <laughs> so she was busy yeah, <laughs> yeah on cacao tell, <laughs> sending it to all her friends and they all thought it was her oh my they're god like, that's hilarious they're like oh were you in a video and then she's like no that's my daughter and they're all freaking out <laughs> i wish it was subtitled so i can have my mom watch it but um, yeah it was very spot on Yay, I'm glad. It <laughs> yeah. was it was a lot of fun and I I I got a voicemail from my dad. Again, everything from my dad with acting it has like a like another significance to me. Mm-hmm. But um he actually left me a voicemail calling me an old lady. He's like, "Oh, Jama." He's like <laughs> he's saying all this stuff and making fun of me. So he sounded very like lighthearted about it and it was a huge relief and I might have cried a little bit i like it that that video really shows i think it took me especially a long time because my mom my dad says he loves me but my mom never has said she loved me Mm -hmm. and i think it's mostly because it's a pride thing because she hasn't done it why is she going to do it now even (laughs) Uh (laughs) but i think that video kind of uh should bring more solace to people knowing that this is a like this is a relatable issue and that uh, your parents do love you. They're just showing you in different ways that For you sure. might have not expected. Yeah. Right. Like, why do you keep telling me to eat? Just tell me you love me. So like being in this community has given me more and more evidence that I probably had a more atypical Asian childhood because my parents tell me they love me all the time. <laughs> That's amazing. And like even as a kid, like they wouldn't let me go to sleep without saying I Aww, love you. that's so nice. <laughs> Aww. Um, so, yeah. I think it's varied, yeah, because my dad's like super loving, like oh, my biggest fan, and my mom's <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's actually some of my girlfriends are just like that, where I'm, my my mom's like, a lot like the really sweet mom that's mm-hmm. in the video. She's the one who always told me I'm pretty and all yeah. that stuff. And then my dad's the one telling me I'm fat and telling me Aww. that I need to go exercise. <laughs> so I had a very dual upbringing. Yeah. But I really, really loved uh, the best feeling was seeing people relate and not even like there's definitely the the Asian and the Korean specifically saying, holy shit, this is exactly yeah. how it is. But like seeing comments of you know, all different ethnicities just saying like, oh my God, this is my Italian mother. This is my Jewish mother or whatever. (laughs) That was really, really fun. It was a great feeling to know that there's this universal love of nagging and not saying it. (laughs) And I mean, that just goes to show that like parents love their kids. For sure. I mean, that's just (laughs) a given. I I feel like (laughs) now that I'm, well, I'm not getting to an age where I I, like want to have kids, but it might get there. I always think that if you're like a parent and like you end up, you have to love your child. 
because you know how shitty they are to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like everything. Um, and so, yeah. if they've kept you by now, you know they love you. <laughs> <laughs> they've done a lot. Yeah, they've yeah. done a lot. It goes back to my um, previous point where, you know, immigrant parent stories, where they come here and they came here to follow their dreams as well. And part mm-hmm. of their dreams was to have their children follow their dreams. So at one point, they've always been supporting us for allowing us to yeah. be able to do what we do. On the other hand, you know, what we're doing may not be exactly what they had in <laughs> yeah. mind, but, you know. Damn it, I wanted you to make money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're doing what? <laughs> well, yeah. my, my this actually ties nicely to my mom. Um, what my mom was concerned about, it was what I appreciate about her and what I, it took me a number of years to interpret it um, or to fully absorb the meaning of it. She never, when I thought back of on all the ways that she had gone about disagreeing with some of my choices in the beginning, was never, she never actually made me feel or said anything to say, you owe me this because I did this for you. And that was something that for a number of years I had put on myself or that I had kind of absorbed from a larger immigrant culture. I don't know. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that probably fed into that mentality. But when I actually spoke with her and I thought about what she says and how she says it, for my mom especially, she was just like, I just want you to have security and stability, which anybody who's in the arts, whether you're Asian or not, they know that it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a toss-up, right? There's a reason why people have to be a server while they're going to acting class at night. So it is a struggle. And like just recognizing that, it did elevate my appreciation for her and then to understand um, – you know, if I feel like any sort of obligation, maybe that might be self-imposed. Maybe it's not. She's not saying that directly to me. She really does want me to be happy. And so that's a conversation. And ironically, this video being such a hit was like a confirmation for her. And she said some of the nicest things she's ever said to me about my acting um, because of this video about her. And mm-hmm. it was really, it was really heartwarming. And it kind of made me feel like, okay, I can really... We're good. I'm going. I mean, it got over a million hits. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's bizarre. It's at 2.7 million. Oh, my God. Like three, day, three four days later, I'm like, I can't. Yeah, you're viral. You've been seen by nice. a gajillion people. That's really, really bizarre. But I just, I, I hope it, it leads to those conversations where people just like thinking like, oh, my mom is really sweet and she yeah. does feed me all this stuff. But it means she loves me <laughs> or my dad or my auntie or whoever, you know, whoever's in your life that doesn't necessarily say the words, I support you 100 yeah. percent. Like maybe them just being there and eating with you. Is- yeah, I think that eating is a very important part. I think just eating and them feeding you is them showing they care. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Gotta eat to live. <laughs> yeah. They're uh-huh. literally ensuring your survival <laughs> by feeding you. Well, that's gonna do it for this week's episode. Uh, thanks again to our guest, So Young Um. So, thank you. From So's thank Real you. Thoughts. It's a very multiple layers of puns in that title. It's very, very <laughs> awesome. If you're in the LA area or if you're not, come on down to LA at the end of April for the Los Angeles Asian American Pacific Film Festival, or as it's colloquially called, LAPF. LAPF. <laughs> I also um, encourage everybody to submit to more festivals, make more stuff, yeah. and uh, try out that interpretation short film. Yeah. That if you win, uh, you get to get your film produced by Justin Lin. What, what? Yeah, he, al- he already 
provided you with a prompt. Yeah. Like that's half the battle right there. You just have to go with it. Yeah. Just think of it as a homework assignment. I think it's it's <laughs> like really good broad four sentences that I was like, oh my God, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I can't wait to see what you come up with. <laughs> I already got it. I, mean, I just need to write it now. Nice. <laughs> Get it, girl. I love it. And as always, you can send your questions to the podcast at podcast at collaboration.org. That's collaboration with a K. Um, it's been a while since we've had an email, and we're always excited when you guys write to us because it means that we get to talk to you indirectly. Those of you listening to us on iTunes, if you feel so inclined, please leave us a rating and a review. Those all help us become more discoverable to other people looking for podcasts like us. And if you don't listen to us on iTunes, um, please share it with your friends. You know, If you like what you hear, um, we'd love to be able to talk to more people. And that's something where we, we rely on our listeners to help us out with. Thanks again to the Blazing Race of the Sun for use of their song, Closer to You, for our intro and outro. Um, you can find that track off their new EP, Young Love. And yeah, anyways, Word have up. fun in Austin. Uh, we'll see you. Um, you're going to be back in LA next week, right? Yep, early next week. Awesome. Well, stay safe out there. Um, Try not to eat too much meat. I know it's very tempting. I'll dance it off. (laughs) And yeah, thanks again to So for joining us. Thank you. And we'll see the rest of you guys next week. Bye. Bye, guys.